Lasers that diagnose infection in a matter of minutes? Using the 11th harmonic to shatter cancer? It's not science fiction. It's time to fall in love with frequency. I'm your host, Veronica Leslie of the Root Cause Clinic Quantum Q&A Hour, where energy is everything. Paradigm shift starting in three, six, nine. Hi, Frequency friends, Veronica Leslie here again, and got my co-founder, Miss Mother of Five, Deanna Morales, by my side. Say hi, Deanna. Hey, and that includes twins, too. <laughs> yep, said twins. No easy feat. So today we're going to be talking about uh, who we are, what we do. So let's get started, shall we? Absolutely. All right, so what do we do? We at Root Cause Clinic are a bioenergetic lab and clinic. That's a mouthful, I know. So what is bioenergetics? Bioenergetics is a whole new world, a whole new frontier, specifically of frequency. We believe frequency to be the future of medicine, um, the future as we know it really. So what we do is we test at the quantum level. So how does that differ from conventional testing? So this differs in the fact that we aren't actually looking for the proteins or the physical tangible things that you would be seeing um, in a lot of your conventional uh, blood work that you would be getting, or even in stool testing or PCR testing, which is generally looking for these proteins or DNA segments in urine. That model that we see right now is really surrounding looking for something that's physically there. And that's definitely gotten us far. I mean, we're able to look and to see what's going on with individuals. However, where we believe the future really lies in looking not at the final product of disease and the after the fact um, manifestation of it, but you know what animated that. So any type of biochemical reaction in the body will be preceded by anatomic action first. And that's what we measure. We're able to look at rotational axes um, of particles, uh, particles of atoms that would be, uh, look at the electron level, and to really look at what we call the blueprint or the instruction code, the particular atomic level interaction and exchanges that allow and give way um, in, in what's called a biophoton, because when you have this level of atomic uh, energy exchange, it literally creates a flash of, of, of light. There is um, a light portion to humanity that gives that instruction to tell your body to do well, let's just say, for example, vitamin D is a great example of that. So essentially, they're operating off of the chemical model, or in this case, because we are biological um, creations, the biochemical, um, right? The the chemicals of biology, the biochemical model, and you know, it's actually physics which animates all chemistry. And I'll just say that again, we test at the physics level, they test at the chemistry level. Physics animates chemistry. So you can kind of look at that for what it is. Um, again, it's gotten humanity to the point it is now, which isn't necessarily um, you know, a bad thing. It's just, it's not the full picture. While that we're able to see what's going on in the body, we're looking at it only whenever it can come to the point to produce proteins to tell us. Disease begins long before that we see it in the physiological evidence. It begins before it's in the tissues, before we have a cancer tumor, you know, there's biochemical changes. And again, conventional medicine can can look at those markers. They're called biomarkers. But 
before even that, you can actually detect if you are able to test at the frequency level. And there's many different mediums. You can use sound, there's light. Um, in fact, we're using many devices that include frequency and test at the atomic level. When you look at the PET scan, when we think about pacemakers, when we look at sonograms, all of this is already using frequency within the conventional model of medicine. Um, so it's just something that kind of really, I think, is the missing link. We really need to stop looking at after-the-fact illness and waiting till it's gotten to the point um, to where we have no choice but to look it in the face, and we need to start looking and seeing things before that they get to that point. And that's what we're able to do when we look at the instruction code, because that's exactly what energy is. Energy is instruction. That is that instruction which then becomes that change in the biochemistry. But they're only able to see it once it becomes to that point we're able to look, and you know, I can even give you an example. Um, pernicious anemia, for example. This is something that is something that I see quite readily, and it really takes a lot of neurological damage and you know, intestinal and uh, stomach degradation before that this becomes something that even becomes perceivably tested for. Let me interject really quickly. Can you explain to us what pernicious anemia is? Pernicious anemia is an autoimmune condition in which that we have uh, an attack on the portion of the stomach which is responsible for producing something called intrinsic factor. Intrinsic factor is what we need to be able to use B12, vitamin B12, from dietary source. So it doesn't matter if you're even eating three porterhouse steaks a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you don't have intrinsic factor, you're not going to be able to make use of that, meaning your serum level or again, we're getting into the biochemistry, um, that could be high and it could look great and it could look fine. But conventional medicine doesn't necessarily have a way to tell and test how is that working intracellularly. They're able to see what's going on in the way of how much uh, and quantify what they find in the blood, but they're not so great at telling you if the body's really using that or not. And so many, many, many individuals do not get the proper testing for this. And they continue to suffer neurological damage because B12 is essential for the nervous system. In fact, this was something that was uh, proving fatal, um, a very long agonizing death over the course of 10 to 15 years in the earlier part of last century until that they figured you could actually remedy this by giving B12 shots uh, in the muscle. Um, and so this is something that is an autoimmune disease that creates extensive damage and it's not something that will really show up again until that the proteins needed to detect this, which uh, includes intrinsic factor antibodies, really gets to a level at which point you've already got considerable degradation and disease. Our testing, however, is able to find that before that the proteins actually have to surface at all. Just the other day, I had another case um, where that I saw the marker coming up, and you know, with our testing, there's different calibrations of, of what we could equate that to if you were to kind of say, you know, um, blood work right or, or, you know, the biochemistry model would work within levels and ranges. Most people are familiar with that. And we have kind of a similar modality with the way that we're doing that, but we're quantifying energy again. Um, and this particularly is quantified in Hertz. So, you know, we can get into all that, you know, hardcore uh, type of frequency later. I won't overdo it for anybody today, but uh, long story short, you know, we're able to look at something that is an instruction code, meaning the body's already starting to fault in the way that it does things uh, at the atomic level, which is eventually going to give rise to biochemical imbalance, um, and then after that, of course, physiological. And depending where that they 
test at in that calibration, we can kind of equate that to something that may or may not be able to be replicated with conventional testing. And in most cases where that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be able to, to find that yet with those proteins, um, they may or may not, you know, get treatment for that, but usually sooner or later at some point, if they don't do anything to rectify that situation, they're going to eventually get to the point where that they will see that verified and, and they will see that validated by a conventional test um, where that we do see the intrinsic factor antibodies and they do have pernicious anemia. It's just that may come a little too late. Wow. So to sum it up, what you're saying is that Root Cause Clinic's lab can see things much sooner than the conventional medicine. So a lot of the times it's better to do bioenergetic testing, not necessarily versus conventional, because um, you can do it hand in hand, but it can it can show you um, markers sooner than they can be seen on the physical level or the, chem the chemical level. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Um, so again, I really, I think that bioenergetics, and you said it beautifully whenever you said it's not so much that it's a substitute completely for the biochemical model because we are in part biochemical beings as well. So it is important that does give us many clues as to our health. It's important to continue to check those things. It's just if you want to kind of be able to find answers where that you haven't been able to find answers before, you want to look at the things that aren't being looked at. And that's what we do. We can look at the instruction code and what's animating things before that maybe that they're able to show up or surface um, in that type of testing. It's a great premier type of testing to look and to see even what other type of tests might be worth ordering, especially if you're kind of uh, navigating the functional medicine world and paying cash for your labs, you may really want to know whether it's worth to get that particular, you know, uh, Western blot, uh, Igenics, or some of the other testing out there so that you can meet the standard of care for diagnostics for insurance. This can help you do that. This can help you know what to prioritize based off these results to see what is worth really trying to look for physically. Well, this is also fascinating. You said that Root Cause Clinic was a lab and a clinic. Um, let's share with our audience a uh, portion of the clinic side, what we have to offer there. Sure. So in addition to serving as uh, the lab where we feature this technology and can assess the specimens of our clients, we also don't want to just offer information without um, an assistance or solution to that information. So uh, knowledge is power, but it's really contingent on action, and that's what we do. So all of our practitioners here are trained um, and very highly esteemed in bioenergetics. What we do is we take this information and we work hand-in-hand -hand with the clients um, to help them really isolate and understand the foundational issues that are causing uh, some of the issues or problems that they have, in fact, come to the clinic for. It uh, can be a whole other you know, podcast in and of itself to kind of talk about the fascinating case stories that we have seen where that someone might come in for a certain type of symptom and our scan results may show something that doesn't really have much to do with that quote unquote area of the body that they're experiencing problems in. Um, but that's how, in fact, that we can find the solutions is by reverse engineering what comes up in our scan, you know, um, that forces us to point the way of the symptoms and say, how does this make sense to what's showing up in this individual's uh, scan? And with that, we're able to get to and isolate the, the true root cause. Oh, I love this. Um, actually, if the audience doesn't know how I met you, you actually did this with my daughter, Eleanor, who has, who was con conventionally diagnosed with epilepsy. And um, I told you about how she used to eat spoonfuls of sugar. She was taking Keppra and it didn't make sense. She would wake up in the middle of the night wanting to um, just have sugar. Um, I think that the audience would be fascinated to hear uh, your interjection on, on why she was doing that. 
Yeah, sure. So one of the things that we found, um, you know, with Eleanor and the fact, of course, the fact that she was on Keppra, we knew that there obviously was an um, issue with seizures or epileptic activity. Well, in the scan, we were able to see specifically that there was um, an issue with glucose reaching the brain. So, you know, when we really look at behavior of uh, organisms, uh, us included, we really want to let the behavior guide us into thinking, why would the body think that this is something that would benefit it? The body's never doing anything to sabotage you. There's always a reason. And in this case, little Eleanor, you know, these uh, insatiable sugar cravings, this wasn't just a child that was looking, you know, to get away with some candy or not go to bed. Um, this was the brain really desperately calling out and crying out uh, for energy. And, you know, the fact that we had had that history of seizures before and it hadn't really been uh, put together, um, it, it, to me, it's common sense. Um, but again, if you're not able to see those kind of things, because, you know, conventional testing is going to look at the blood work and it's going to say, oh, you know, sugar looks fine. Well, yeah, it does. There's enough sugar in the serum, right? We have enough glucose, but is that really getting used? Is that intracellularly actually making it where it needs to go? And it wasn't. Um, and so, you know, this really was something that was a missing link, I think, in her case. And if I'm correct, she hasn't had a seizure since, has she? Exactly. And this is all something that was figured out through biophotonic testing. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, frequency definitely is uh, the future. And, you know, it is... A learning curve for many people coming onto that because everybody has been so conditioned to the biochemical model. And again, we don't refute that. Um, it plays a necessary role. It's just, it's just not enough, um, you know. And the next thing, actually, that I kind of want to point toward is actually those differences between uh, specifically a little bit more what we do and kind of who the people that we seem to be able to help um, and the communities and types of clients that seem to be able to benefit most from the type of view that we take when it pertains to um, health and wellness and um, prevention of any type of illness uh, or symptoms or whether somebody is suffering acutely or looking um, you know, to prevent. So in this case, um, there are essentially some big main differences I wanna draw between different standard types of testing. We have the conventional blood work that many people are familiar with. Again, we're looking for physical proteins. The problem with many of those that are facing potentially chronic illness uh, that may be caused by infection is that these infections oftentimes aren't exactly just swimming around the blood waving high. With that said, we're not going to find that in the blood work. This person may be very, very, very ill, but we're looking in the wrong place. So we're not going to find the result that we really need. People don't get diagnosed. They don't get the help that um, is really vital for them to be able to heal, and they don't get it in time, even if they do get it eventually. What do you mean that we won't find it in the blood? Where would we find it? So, for example, we see a lot of clients at the clinic who have uh, Lyme disease or vector-borne illness. Many of these uh, particular type of infections are not necessarily uh, going to be something that you're going to viably find in the blood. Uh, spirochetes, for example, from Lyme disease, um, the, the Borrelia spirochete, are more connective tissue and nervous system tissue centered. That's really the kind of uh, tissue that they target. And so if we're trying to take blood work and hoping that we're just going to see, you know, a slew of spirochetes there waving high, like I said, you're probably not going to get that unless you get a very seriously ill person. Um, 
And that's just a matter of not really taking into consideration the etiology or the way that that particular pathogen develops in the body uh, into the testing model that we're using to test for it. So that's just that's just one thing as far as physically looking for things um, in the blood. So basically what you're saying is that we're looking conventionally for pathogens strictly in the blood when they can be hiding in the brain, in the mucosa, in the joints, as you mentioned with the Lyme spirochetes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and in fact, even, you know, something uh, which we get a lot of interest about uh, parasites, you know, many people think because they may not be seeing something come out on the stool and stool testing is actually where I could get into the next segment of this is that, you know, we've had, um, and I won't name the laboratories here, but uh, clients who've worked with other functional medicine uh, labs that they submitted stool samples that literally have had a six-inch six Ascaris worm in it, and um, their parasite tests for their stool sample specimen was... was um, able to yield a negative result. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that happens. Sometimes we degrade the membrane of the parasites. You know, this is something that is, um, and that's, you know, in general, one of the things that we have to worry about with any kind of biochemical-based testing or things that we're looking for actual proteins, you know, they're going to get degraded and that may not be viable by the time that you're actually testing it. We don't have that problem with quantum testing or quantum medicine because that that is not what we're looking for. We don't need that physical protein. We're testing on the quantum field level, so it's a bit different. Um, in this case, though, you know, with the stool sampling, uh, you know, we have a lot of lot of problems with that. So that's just you know uh, a second example actually that we've got you know perfectly on topic for. But uh, another thing also includes, and many people are getting familiar about this now because of uh, the COVID testing that's out there. But PCR testing is also another notorious area where we see a lot of challenges for clients because PCR testing is looking at particular DNA fragments to be found in, you know, most cases a lot of times we look at um, urine. And the problem with that is that if somebody is very ill, um, they probably are not the best at processing metabolites and these aren't exactly going to come out in the urine. So if that's happening, and we're trying to you know, gauge or diagnose this person based off what is coming out and what's processed metabolically that's coming out you know, in the urine, and they're not able to do that, and that's a part of why that they're so sick, then we're, again, we're not going to get the people that need to get these diagnoses and to get you know, help, any help, because the tests that we're designing to help pinpoint these illnesses is not taking into consideration the etiology or the type of pathogen and the way that it works. So that's the problem with uh, some of the people that we have that come to the clinic is that they have their blood work done, they feel ill, they have joint pain, they have chronic fatigue, they don't know why, they go to their doctor and their doctor tells them your blood work looks fine. I mean, how many clients do we have like that? It's, it's insane. However, they're not, again, taking into account, like you stated, um, if their body's not able to process out these um these proteins, then there's nothing for us to test for. However, the problem is that the at the functional level, the organs aren't working. So, again, why you know RCC um, is doing it? Uh, I don't want to say a better way, but a different way is because we're looking at the process before it happens. So, back to you, Veronica. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, you know, the PCR testing, the blood work, the stool samples, um, all of that, you know, again, is, is physically looking for something. And if you find it, um, great, you know, but what about all the people that you don't? Um, and that's a big problem because you can't get the help if you can't get the diagnosis. Now, the last one that I actually want to talk about and what many people probably already started, you know, considering before I've even uh, 
got to this point was what about you know antibody-based testing so things like you know the western blot um, or looking for titers you know we're looking for the antibody so maybe we can't find the actual viable pathogen and what we're looking for but we're looking for evidence that the body's had an immunological response to it again this is based on you know assessing proteins or biochemistry and many of these pathogens especially with borrelia or with lyme disease they in fact alter or augment the way that you produce these immunological proteins so if we're looking for the specific proteins that we believe should be associated with this infection but the way that this infection works is by manipulating the type of proteins you can create that doesn't seem like a very good means of being able to detect um, this pathogen does it and in fact the cdc actually acknowledges that the test for uh, the Western blot um, in ELISA, this is generally only about 50% sensitive. So that means, you know, 50% of the people may not be getting the type of screening that is truly reflecting um, their infection status. And I just want you to consider that if you went to a blood bank and you were told that they were about 50% sure that that blood didn't have HIV, how would your confidence level vote on that? <laughs> right. Um, that's kind of scary, actually. Well, um, I wanted to see if you can give me more information on your guys' solution as well, our solution at RCC. Um, we have, you know, like you were talking about our practitioners and how they're very thoroughly trained in um, our labs and reading them in order to provide uh, better insight before things are manifested on a physical level. I um, wanted to see if you wanted to uh, enlighten us on the tinctures that RCC has. Yeah, so there's, um, you know, the modalities with which we operate at RCC that include what we um, personally calibrate um, and manufacture, which include our tinctures, which are customized. This is a 8% organic grape alcohol base with structured water, and this holds the calibrated frequencies that our instrument um, calibrates um, by sending specific Hertz pulsations um, to do so into that. And it holds this frequency because the stabilized uh, structure of the water in the alcohol that's in there. There's also the lasers that we have, and this is uh, likewise an application or vehicle delivery system for frequency. It specifically works with photons. Photons equals, you know, light here. Um, so we're using light, which is, you know, in an instruction code in its own right, uh, specifically near infrared and red light um, at, you know, um, wavelengths of, you know, over 635 nanometers, which is what you need to be able to get into augmenting and triggering mitochondrial processes. So we will plug in on top of what you're already getting with the red light near infrared uh, therapy, the specific same custom frequencies that we can put into those tinctures, except that we can put it into a laser for you. So this is great for people that may not be able to take alcohol, whether it's for religious reasons, um, you know, individuals who may have suffered with any type of um, issues or addictions with alcohol. It could be for individuals who cannot physically tolerate the alcohol due to sensitivity, histamine issues, for example, MCAS. Um, or it's also just a great option for, you know, anywhere we want to put localized frequencies. So maybe you have really terrible carpal tunnel. Um, we can use the laser and specifically concentrate the frequency on that area. We don't necessarily have to give the tincture, which is going to work through what's your whole quantum field. So that's going to be 
you know, a little bit more evenly dispersed through the whole quantum field of the body, as opposed to putting that specifically in an area that you might really kind of just want to focus on. Great for skin issues, great for chronic pain, inflammation. Uh, as you know, I got my start in light as an agricultural scientist and um, in using that to help with eradicating algae um, in, you know, in what's called bivalve farming where we have oysters and clams and all that. And instead of throwing chemicals into the ocean, again, not doing the chemical model, um, but using light to be able to take care of that. And that's always going to be what I'm partial to. Um, but, you know, we do a lot of other recommendations from using um, sound different, you know, sound therapy. We don't actually uh, conduct those, you know, um, kind of sessions ourselves, but we'll refer out, especially if we see those kind of things come up in the scans for clients, um, you know, essential oils and touch movement can be medicine and movement grounding. can be frequency. Grounding, yes, absolutely. I'm a big uh, believer in salt cave. Um, there's just endless, endless, I mean, everything is energy, so we said. So <laughs> that's literally going to mean that, you know, any potential interaction in this experience we call reality is an opportunity for energy delivery. That's really, you know, what it comes down to. So, you know, to sum things up, essentially, we um, are a clinic and a lab that looks at frequency at being the future. We test at the quantum level and we get uh, specimens at this time, we're 100% virtual. We do look forward to having a brick and mortar kind of bioenergetic um, bar, if you will, with all the fun gadgets, um, infrared saunas, and just really kind of all the things that we've talked about, these concepts, uh, bringing it to life with those kind of in-person type of uh, modalities. Uh, but as of right now, as it stands, this is something that you would submit if you were interested your specimens uh, to us. Um, and we do heavily recommend to have an appointment with one of the practitioners well that you would have the ability to get these scan results sent to you. It's a bit um, intimidating for many people because it's probably going to be, I guarantee, the most amount of information you've ever seen about uh, yourself. If you're used to going to your physician's office feeling you know, not so great, but being told you're in perfect health. In fact, you're the, 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 the beaming poster child of it and you don't feel that way. Um, expect to be validated, but sometimes validation comes with trepidation. So we really do, um, recommend to meet with the practitioner so they can tie it all together full circle for you. And, and in fact, working with one, so you can have a plan going forward with it. Um, and with that said, you know, I mean, that's just really the start. We have many other things on the way. Um, there's just an endless stream of everything as it pertains to energy and where this field is going right now there's new developments that we're seeing um, and again we try to skate to where the puck is going to be in the words of Wayne Gretzky uh, not where it's at you know um, where we're at right now with conventional medicine um, it's just not enough so we got to look to where that uh, the future is going where the puck is going that's where we want to be well, everybody, um, thank you for joining in on podcast episode number one. We definitely love our frequency around here and glad to have some frequency friends to follow along. So in the words of Nikola Tesla, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. I think we'll end on that. Till next time. <laughs>